0: for joining us for another episode of Wesley Union and our liturgical um, calendar series. Today we are talking about Easter and Eastertide. Um, as usual, I'm your host, Sarah Taylor, and today I am joined by none other than Derek Scott Third. Derek, how are you?
1: I am well. Love and life, no complaints
0: that's good i'm glad i'm glad that life is good and you don't have complaints because if you had a lot of complaints it might have been a little awkward but we would have been here for it because authenticity
1: you know appreciate that but yeah today we're good we're starting the week out making it happen
0: (laughs) glad to hear it glad to hear it um so why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself uh to get us started
1: Okay, um, Derek Scott third. I am the Executive Director Campus Minister at Campus City Wesley Foundation in Northeast Florida, and uh, also sort of lead the efforts around our online campus ministry platform, Studio Wesley, and uh, instigating uh, stuff for Wesley re- Renewal at Wesley's Revival, and I do a whole bunch of stuff in the United Methodist Church, which I love to do, but my heart and everything that I love like, really comes down to hanging out with college-age young adults and uh, Walking with them as they're figuring out what it means to be productive contributors to society. So yeah, and I love the Christian year. I love the lectionary text and just the whole conversation. So um, I'm super stoked to be on the in the conversation today.
0: It's always so exciting to have you. Um, Not just because I work with you on the regular and enjoy you as a person and we're friends, but like you just always bring such lovely insight. And I know how much you like are trying to live your life by the liturgical calendar and dig into lectionary texts. And so I know this is like such a real thing for you.
1: It's my rhythm, it is literally the rhythm of my life. And um, it's not necessarily something that I'm like, you know, I'm not wearing T-shirts <laughs> during cer- certain T-shirts during certain seasons, or maybe I do, but.
0: You don't color code it, you know?
1: Again, you know, those liturgical colors, man. Um, but um, it is a rhythm for me, and it really does help me live into the story of Jesus. Uh, and, um, and just think about what time it is in the moment that we're in as it relates to what's happening in the culture, what's happening in my city, what's happening in people's lives. Um, It's a rhythm that sort of centers me and grounds me. So I love Mm. it, yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I think you tapped into it a little bit there, but I was wondering if you could just elaborate on like why is the liturgical calendar important broadly? Like I think you talked a good bit about what it is for you, but like why should we all be on that rhythm? Is that something we should all be leaning into? Like what is the broad implication of this calendar?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I would love it if we all lived into the Christian year and that was sort of the primary calendar that we were working from. But I would just say for me, this is a very particular spiritual practice that, again, just helps me, helps me um, center and ground myself, helps me think about my actions, think about the way I'm going to arrive in the world and how that, you know, is it's integrating My everyday walking around life with my faith. So some people are gonna dig it, and that's gonna be like super, like great and accessible for them. And other folks, it's it's way too much. It's the mixing of the calendars. Like the world says that it is a very specific time of the year right now, but the liturgical calendar says this. And um, you know, for instance, the beginning of the Christian year is Advent, right? And that's usually end of November, beginning of December. Well. the new year is actually January or, or which one is actually, right? Like which one is it? And, and for some people that dissonance is just a lot. But for people like me, who sort of have and, and I don't know if this is true for everybody who leans into the Christian year, but for me, I've got this inner life that needs to be stabilized before I can leave my house. So I can before I can walk out even my bedroom. I gotta have my inner life stabilized. And this is a spiritual practice that allows me to do that. Um Yeah. So I don't know if everybody should observe the Christian Year calendar, but I do want to invite everyone to consider it and to try it once. Um, And you don't have to go full out like like I do. Um, And I've got very specific practices for each season. And it's like literally in my body. Like I can feel Ash Wednesday coming and I can feel Easter coming and the without even like talking about it, it's what's in me. I don't know if that's for everybody, but I do think that there's something special when communities observe the calendar together. I think there's something powerful that happens when we're all reflecting on a very specific part of the story of Jesus and story of scripture. I think we pick up something that we just don't pick up on our own. And so that's where I do invite you know multiple people to engage in a conversation and in a rhythm Together, um, over the course of a year. So,
0: mm. yeah, that's oh, so beautiful. I love, I love all that. I loved your your personal notes about how ordering your inner life, like through this, is helpful, and then like the communal aspect of it. That's really, I appreciate the twofoldness there. So, specifically within the liturgical calendar, I was wondering if we could dig into Easter and Easter tide, and why those matter and how they order things. And if you want to share some of your practices that you do specifically in those seasons that you mentioned you do during different seasons, that would be great.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Eastertide matters um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, the idea of Jesus rising from the grave is pretty central to the claims that he is God, and it creates a large conversation about his divinity, but it centers his divinity. It centers his divinity and his humanity as being connected and and there being sort of this moment where they um come come to I mean, they're always together. you can't separate them. I want to be careful before I start saying some some heresies here. but it it, they, it really comes into view when we start talking about how Jesus's divinity and his humanity work together. And um, the resurrection, I mean, and not every Christian believes in a physical resurrection, but a good number, I hesitate to say, a majority of Christians believe in the physical resurrection. And in many ways, the physical resurrection becomes one of those markers that makes Christianity somewhat unique from other other religious perspectives and, and philosophies. So I think the celebration of the physical resurrection or the resurrection of Jesus is a really important point in our theology. It's an important point in the story. Um, and I think it, it, I mean, there's so many connections there. I mean, they're all, it's an archetypal, arch, arch, archetypal, I don't know if I'm saying that word right. Archetype, archetypal, archetype. I think it's
0: archetype, archetypal, I think.
1: It's one of those stories that resonates with humanity. And you can find stories like this of the you know the the hero suffering and then coming back. The hero being destroyed. And they're not really destroyed, here they are. I love is that moment in um uh, oh what is it? Uh, Black Panther when um to T'Cala, t- to t- t- I suck at names. Um t- 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 T'Challa.
0: So confession. I haven't seen Black Panther. I got really behind on Marvel things and I haven't gone and caught up on all the things. And so I I don't know. I know I should watch.
1: Even an okay thing. I don't want to I'm gonna give another, I'm going to give another example. Um, the, the hero comes back and and everybody's like, he's back. It's this beautiful moment. Okay. But you have it in all kinds of stories. It's in the, it's the, um, the, in Lord of the Rings when, um, oh god gandalf when gandalf you know, fly, falls into um the, the with the balrog and 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 they're like gandalf's gone and then he comes back as gandalf the white like this it's that story of the hero that suffers and then comes back and in some respects many respects comes back stronger they've de- defeated that which caused their suffering and they went through the suffering not around it, and they came back. And, and so that story is big for humanity. And um, I believe if C.S. Lewis has said, this is, a, this is a myth that is true. And so there's the myth side of it, of the, the hero. We've got lots of stories about the hero suffering coming back. But this myth, this archetypal story, archetypal story, is a true story, particularly for those who are um, believers in in scripture, believers in the resurrection of Jesus. For us, it's it's not just a myth, it's a true story that we hang our hats on. So that becomes really important for us. Um, And I guess um, I'll, I'll, I'll hold that point. I'll hold that point. It becomes important. Another important theological point is that, particularly if Jesus rose from the grave, from the dead, Physically. It wasn't just a spiritual resurrection, but a physical resurrection. It says that the physical world, matter, matter. <laughs> that physical matter matters. That the and, and not just Jesus' body, but our bodies matter. And the creation matters and that God in making all things new is Jesus being the first fruits of that project Jesus is 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 gathering all of creation all of physical creation to be joined with spiritual creation in this new thing that God is doing and so that really helps us think about um like the new creation uh, that Paul talks about, it really think, helps us think about um, what's on the other side of like all of the stuff in revelation and eschatological visions. Um, it helps us even think about things super practically like creation care um, and environmentalism because these things now these things matter. like we could say that they matter. But if Jesus rose from the grave physically, that, that and 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 his physical body also was redeemed, if you will, that is a signal of the whole thing, of the whole creation, Jesus being the first fruits of it. We could riff on that all day. And a friend of mine named Sarah Taylor just preached an incredible message on this for CCW um, just a couple of days ago. So that that you know might be something to bookmark in the comments or something like that. But resurrection means that the physical world matters, that matter matters. I love that, that kind of little play on words that matter matters. Um, so yeah, those are just some reasons. There are a lot of reasons though that I think Easter and Easter tide matter and in and, and that we we need to not just sort of have an Easter Sunday moment, but we need to have an Easter season moment. Um, in the same way that we don't just have a Christmas moment, but we have a Christmas tide. We have the tide of the incarnation, the revelation of the incarnation. And what does that mean for us? Well Easter, the tide of the resurrection, the tide of new life, the tide of new creation. It comes in and it, it's and it's coming as an incredible wave of the Holy Spirit. And are we ready for that wave of the resurrection to not just be a beautiful story, i.e. myth, but to be something so real that it impacts the way we live. And I think that's where it becomes so important for it to not just be a Sunday, but to be something that we live into over the course of say 50 days
0: so how do you live into it what are you practically doing to live into it and like how are you making meaning in this easter tide season and not just letting it be easter on a sunday and we move on with our lives
1: so one of the things that i started doing a few years ago during easter is uh particularly in the house that i used to live in i would buy a bouquet of flowers on Easter Sunday and put it in front of my window. Now, first you need to know that up until recently, it was rare for living things other than my dogs <laughs> to be alive in my house um, because living things require cultivation. And I got, I had enough energy and space to cultivate um, the, the existence of my two dogs, but that was about all I had. But I I began to just realize that in order for someone like me to live into a season like Easter, I needed to um, really put growth and life on display. And I needed to celebrate it and tend to it. So for many years, I was putting these flowers in my front window and yes, after a week or so, you gotta get new flowers because those flowers eventually, cause they're cut flowers, they eventually die. And so you got, and so for the entire Easter season, I was getting fresh flowers in front of the window. And this was my way of not just leaving Easter Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, but coming back and cultivating and reminding myself and celebrating that new life and you know it and then certain sundays or certain certain holidays would then sort of bleed into that so mother's day would become this day where i'd have very specific types of flowers um recognizing like the women both those who are here and those who are um in heaven with jesus i believe like but it was all a part of this life. And, and I began to think about other things just happening in my actual like living. And I would actually pick certain flowers. So I remember I'd be picking sunflowers and seasons because it's often the, the time of year that we're having to ideate um, in CCW, getting ready for the next year. And so I, for me, sun sunflowers are just sort of just like bright, like, let's just dream or let's just think about stuff and like just it, and there's a brightness to it. Um, so I put sunflowers in, in the bouquet um, and I'm not here to like, I probably did it wrong. I probably put the wrong flowers together and, and, and yeah. What has recently happened is that I became a plant dad. And so I it ended up buying, last Easter I bought plants and part of it was um, I got a cat and um getting oh uh, well, i was getting ready to get a cat actually so i hadn't had it and i was thinking oh flowers are probably not going to be a good idea if i have a cat and i didn't know exactly when i was going to get the cat i knew it was coming and um and so i was like oh not flowers now i've learned like i have to even work on certain plants so any. You know, it is what it is. But I've got all these plants now. Um, I've got that one right back there. And there's uh, another one that you can't see um, because it's behind the door, which is... Actually, you can see it right there. There's that one right there. And then I've got another one right beside me. Then I've got these cacti hanging out in different places. And um, this year, I've got to really be thoughtful about how I'm going to really think about um, putting growth on display um, but that's how I've done it, is putting those fresh flowers and now plants. Um, and I got a cat that's just super curious about everything. So I'm really afraid Julian's going to destroy anything that I try to put up in the front window. So um, that was a little long story, but essentially that was how I did it um, putting growth on display, the cultivation of growth, the celebration of growth and new life. And um, yeah, so yeah, long story, but I hope that made some sense.
0: No, that was beautiful. I, I love anything about Julian the Bengal cat. Um, he's just, you know, truly delightful. <laughs>
1: um, oh, Julian.
0: Even though he, because he, it's, it's interesting you said a lot about the sunflowers, because last year around like the Easter season, I hung all the sunflowers on the wall for our virtual background. And I didn't even know that was a thing that like connected. Um, but look at God, look at the Holy
1: Spirit. That it's happening inside of me. So I don't normally talk about it, right? Like these are things, these are ideas happening. And so even putting the flowers on display is this um, way of me trying to get what's in me out of me and get mm-hmm. some of these ideas and some of these these revelations out of me so that it can be brought into community and people can can possibly join in and be a part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I love your your thoughts on Easter and tide as like growth and like putting growth on display and like this journey and then like how Mother's Day ties into that and like honoring the women in life. Because I think also you were talking about, you know, the women who've gone on and joined the great cloud of witnesses and, you know, the women who are still here. And I think that's also like this tie back to, you know, Jesus and like his resurrection and going to prepare a place. And like this look at like, God is here now, but God is also, you know, Jesus preparing this place for the future. There's just so much to unpack in what you said. And oh my gosh, it was just so good. So your story was very, very good. And I I appreciated you exposing that part of yourself. So good, okay. Well, we're gonna take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and we're going to dive into more about Easter and Eastertide and just keep this conversation going.
1: Way cool, way cool.
0: On Friday, April 9th, Studio Wesley will be releasing Queer
1: Roots and Black Spirituality, a podcast series highlighting the stories of queer, black, young adults of faith. Listen wherever podcasts
0: are available or on our website, studiowesley.org. All right, everyone. We are back again with the second half of this Wesley Union Easter Easter Eastertide episode. And um, we were having such a good conversation before the break and I felt bad kind of stopping it. But we're going to dive right back in. Um, so Derek, I think a lot of us probably know this, but like, some people may not. Um, what's the story behind and reason for Easter and tide, And like what scriptures and Bible stories come to mind when you think about them? And I know they're the obvious, but if you have some extras you want to tie in, go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a ton of stories. I mean, and again, like um, one of the ideas for uh, all of these seasons really goes back to um, what did the first generations of followers of Jesus do in response to the revelation of Jesus and the, and the story of Jesus and how it connected to scripture. And so what we have in our Christian history are these indications that some of those first generations, those first centuries, people didn't just say, "Ooh, it's Easter. That's cool. Back to my own regular life. But like they actually took these these moments and they celebrated across several weeks. So there's um, the story of some Christians actually extending the Easter holiday through a whole week. And so it was a week of Easter, not just a Sunday of Easter. You have uh, the way that the lectionary has been designed and these very specific Sundays around the risen Christ and how we see the risen Christ. Um, you have uh, these these customs around eggs, right? And these eggs represent new life. And there's even a story of um, followers in a certain part of the world. I can't remember exactly where they were, but they would, on Easter, they would bring eggs to the priest so that the priest would bless them. And some of this is because during Lent, some followers of Jesus would fast dairy products including eggs and so easter sunday would be this end of the fast and they would bring these eggs to uh the priest for them to be blessed and it was the beginning of the easter celebration um there is also the story that i heard again these are all sort of picked, and there's a lot of data on it and like history and books and customs and then some of it's just anecdotal so i remember having a friend of mine who's eastern orthodox and um uh, the Eastern Orthodox, many of them celebrate what we would call Easter. They celebrate Holy Pascha, um, which goes to uh, which is goes to the word Paschal, which you often hear in relation to the the Passion and and the Passion story. So uh, Saturday night, um, late Saturday night, uh, the, after Good Friday, Holy Saturday, these individuals would these these followers would uh, be at a church, and it would be dark there would be no lights on and they would be sort of remembering Jesus being down in the grave, going down into hell. And then at midnight someone would click on the lights. And if I understand the story correctly, someone would click on all the lights and there would be massive celebration, music and food and wine, and they would party at midnight for the celebration. And this was their celebration of Easter. And again, that's where it's not just like, oh, we go to church on Sunday with like new new clothes and like Easter speeches and stuff like that. No, it's bigger than that. Like it's this massive celebration. Um And so, yeah, we want to live into that. And uh, we're going to read this quote here, um, again, because, again, we're trying to live into this story of Jesus. And so, um, Easter and Eastertide lead to Ascension Day, which which is 40 days after Easter. And then 50 days after Easter is Pentecost, which takes us into um, another liturgical season. So, Athanasius... Bishop of Alexandria from the 3rd century, he says that Easter extends its beams with unobscured grace to all the seven weeks of Holy Pentecost. This is, and he calls it, a most, Easter is a most joyous space. We have to make room for joy and hope. So I'm going to make a personal reflection here and then go to some scriptures. As a workaholic... And as someone who's a part of the work for justice in my current world, sometimes you wonder if this work actually has meaning, if it's going to be sustainable, if, um, if it matters, <laughs> if it's going to actually have some kind of effect. And you get tired. And, and particularly the season of Lent becomes a season of deep reflection. And I think in some respects, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Like, should I keep doing this? If that's what Lent is, if Lent is the reflection of all of that, Easter is the the celebration of the work. And that, yes, the work matters, and there is a hope. There is a hope that all this work leads to resurrection, and I'm going to use some words here, liberation and abolition. And yes, that that hope can be um, celebrated. And I think this is important for people like me who are workaholics, who at times get very discouraged about our work. In a similar way that people might get discouraged if they saw a, the leader of their movement be um, murdered by the empire for speaking, <laughs> for healing the sick and for you know raising the dead and and preaching good news to the poor and you would wonder like what's the point of this work if this is what happens and then 3 days 3 days later he overcomes all of that it tells you that hope Should be remembered that hope should be bet upon, like that we should bet on hope. That we should that hope should matter as a part of the work. And so, gosh, I hope I'm getting this out as best as I could. For me, Easter again, this joyous place. We got to make room for joy. We can be so about the work that we forget about joy. We can be so about the work that we forget to celebrate what has happened, the accomplishments. We can be so about the work that we forget to really um, let the beams of the hope that the work is about really shine. And so, again, I'm a little clunky on this because this is stuff I'm not good at. Like, I'm not good at talking about the joy of this work of liberation, this work of transformation in the world and even the work of coming alongside individuals in them following Jesus. I'm not always good at talking about it. But Easter is that season that we've got to make room for. We gotta celebrate it. We gotta flick on the lights and have good food and 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 so no, you don't fast during Easter. No, we don't sing dirges during Easter. One of the customs is that we increase the number of hallelujahs we say in the worship service. Because we got to make room for the joy. And for people like me, that's not easy. That's a discipline. So, so, so mother furs are like, yeah, seven, ideogram sevens are like, I love Easter. Ideogram fives are like, ah, Easter. <laughs> so I would say that Easter is an incredible season that we live into celebration. So what are the stories, right? The biblical stories, obviously the resurrection, right? It's the celebration of Jesus being reunited with the disciples. It's the celebration of, of people having their hope personified and seen it is the culmination again as paul talks about the first few fruits of, of new creation so it's all of those images and reflections it is uh the psalms of joy that are talking about god coming back and god redeeming creation that's the stuff it's the It's the joy that we have that at some point our wandering is going to end and we're gonna finally come into our land, which is much of the story of Israel. Um, And so it's those kinds of stories. Obviously the gospels become center and we read a lot of the gospels during the season of Easter. And we read a lot of acts during the season of Easter, but it's all about this culmination of what God's doing and the new beginning. So one way of thinking about it, when John, the Gospel of John, in the twenty-first in the twenty-first chapter, says, um, oh, "Where's my Bible? Where's my Bible?" Ugh. I always do this right when I want to like make a Bible reference. I forget where my Bible is. There it is, right there. Okay, give me one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this verse and I'm gonna read it so I don't I don't butcher it. So John twenty-one. Sorry, John twenty. See, see, mm-hmm. that's why you need the book. Okay, John twenty. Early in the morning of the first day of the week. John twenty verse one, early in the morning on the first day of the week, NT Wright says that John is not simply telling us what day it is, but John is telling us what era it is, what new epoch it is, what 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 new moment we are now in. We are in the first day of a new moment, a new era, a new epoch. Yes, we, and this first day is the the the, the dawn of it is the resurrection. And so we celebrate that dawn. We celebrate that newness. We celebrate um, the stories and the scriptures that remind us that a new day is coming and is already here.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, so much to impact there. So good. Um, one, you were talking about Enneagram 7's loving Easter and not being Enneagram 5. Like, I'm in Enneagram 5 too. My favorite holy day is Ash Wednesday, which is like, <laughs> Most people's thing, but I'm like, oh yes, the dirt. Um, anyway, but that made me start thinking about, um, other liturgical seasons. Right. And then you were talking about hope and joy. And immediately I was in Advent and thinking about the weeks and the candles and there's hope and there's joy and there's love or faith and peace and those themes they come up, you know, with Jesus's birth and preparation for that, right? But then they're also coming back in Jesus's um, sacrifice and resurrection, and these continual themes that we see throughout the Bible and the liturgical calendar, and what God. Cares for, like these new moments, right? Like it's another new moment. Like Jesus being born into the world was a new moment, but Jesus' resurrection is another new moment.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And I just, I love the way scripture highlights these themes of newness and new creation and joy and hope and the things that Jesus brings over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we got to celebrate it. We got to make room for that celebration, make room. The beams and the brightness of Easter—we got to make room for it.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, and you've touched on this some, I think, throughout your your dialogue. But I guess more specifically and more be, more succinctly, perhaps, um, why is this significant to today's society? Like, why are these themes of Easter and celebrating Easter? Why do they matter in this season, particularly in the things we're experiencing in the world?
1: So, I'll say broadly for the Christian year, the Christian calendar, and then I'll go specific to Easter. I think it's important to be reminded, particularly as Western oriented Christians, that we are not the center of the story. And that even in this moment that we live in, we are supporting characters alongside other characters who are supporting the main character, Jesus, who often sends the story back to us. Yes, does it, Jesus isn't the main character that needs the spotlight all the time, loves to share the spotlight with us. But we need to be reminded that we are a part of a story. We're not the center of the story. And that becomes really helpful, particularly in the work that we're doing or in the dreams that we have, that my dreams and my work matters, but it matters as just as much as your dreams and your work matters. And these should be working together, flooding and, and pointing to the dream of God revealed to us in Jesus and the work of the spirit, through the church. The church. And, and you you and me, Sarah, we have important parts of the church story, but we're not the only parts of the church story. And the Christian calendar gives us a moment to say, you know what, I'm actually a part of something. And so how does, my mo- how does this moment fit into the larger story of the church? And now specifically around Easter, yes, the current moment for me may be dreams unrealized, hope deferred. But the reality that we're living to is that hope has now been personified and realized in the person of the resurrected Christ. And so that's going to now be the, that's the story that we center. In the midst of my hope deferred, the story of hope personified and realized is centered. And so how does my deferred hope story Relate to and respond to and point to this story of Jesus. Again, work that feels unfulfilled and feels like it's not going anyway, like it doesn't matter. The work of, of restoration has been inaugurated, has been completed, and is being expanded through the, the ministry of the resurrected Christ. So now the center of my work. As a follower of Jesus and a believer in restoration and liberation, the center of my work is not, oh, we're still working on uh, the rights of women and queer folk. And, oh, it's just not going to happen. And, like, we're still, what's the point of me talking about liberation if nobody's listening? And what's the point of me inviting people to follow Jesus if they still have this one narrative about Jesus and they're not listening to these other narratives? like um, the center of that work is the finished work of Christ the finished work of the resurrected Christ. And so my work is now pointing to and it's being, and it's centered in the, the work of Jesus, the resurrected one, who has now given me the ministry of reconciliation. And I think that is what why Easter again becomes really important. It gets us outside of ourselves and into a larger conversation.
0: Do you have any like final thoughts, takeaways you want to share about how this centers us, which you talked on some, or like what we should take away or live into in your opinion in this season of Easter?
1: And again, I just want to come back to that place. Make space for the joy. Especially if that is not something that you gravitate towards it's a pretty difficult season that you're in right now. Um, I know that um, particularly right now, some of us are feeling more joy and relief because we're getting COVID vaccines. Um, And that's going to do a lot for our, our world, a lot for our culture, a lot for the church, for individuals. But I think we also have to remember that the COVID vaccine isn't the end of the story for everybody. That COVID was... One oppression on top of multiple oppressions. It was one of many pandemics we were experiencing over the last year, and so for people who are like, "Well, that's cool. I'm glad that you feel good about your COVID vaccine. I'm not on the list yet." Or once the COVID vaccine gets me, that's great. But I got all these other things I got to worry about. Like, I want to invite all of us to make room for joy, even in the midst of what feels like hope deferred and and work unfulfilled. To to take this season to make room for the joy. I think it's important because I think it will help us mentally and spiritually. And I also think then there's this opportunity for us to bring in the joy for others and to be a conduit of holy joy for others who need the brightness, who who don't have the energy to put flowers in their own front window. So maybe you and I need to take the flowers to them. And so how do we bring celebration and joy, make room for joy for our friends and neighbors? I think that, that I would say that that is maybe the practical, and in not this what, what the message of the gospel is? Like, don't fear, <laughs> don't be in despair. God has not abandoned us. God has not forgotten about us. God has come and God has overcome overcome death and the grave. This is the message that we bring in Christian funerals that yes, we cry, but with hope. Yes, we mourn, but we mourn knowing that Christ has overcome the grave and there is victory on the other side of death for those who are in Christ. And so I think that we need to, particularly in this season, these 50 days of celebrating the resurrection, allow the tide, the joy, the beams of Easter to just come in and let's make room for it.
0: Mm. I I love that. I love the way you center joy as something we need now in light of everything that is going on. But I also think it's essential to the continued work, right? That we have joy in this moment. I think that was part of the point you were making. And I'm reminded of this scripture verse and I'm gonna like do a Sarah Revised Standard version on it. But it's like, bring joy now into the world so that you do not grow weary of doing good so that you may reap a harvest in due time. I can't remember where exactly that particular phrasing is, but I do know that it's in there in the Bible. And I think if we're going to continue... To deal with issues of healthcare and queer issues and racism and all of those things, we have to take moments and have joy so that we don't grow weary. And I think Easter, like you were saying, is a great time to do that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Derek, this has been lovely. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. I'm so excited for everyone to listen to it. Um, I hope everyone who's listening is having a wonderful day. And if you're not, we're here for you. Um, We're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Um, And stay tuned for the next um, Wesley Union episode coming with the next liturgical calendar change um, or holy day.
1: Rock it. Bye, friends. Beautiful.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker as well as our production team, Troy Argon Cannon, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley.